Theatrical Shenanigans with Jonathan Cook. Hello and welcome to what is the final episode in this season of Theatrical Shenanigans. Over the last 10 episodes we've heard plays written by playwrights and performed by actors from all over the world. And if that wasn't enough, I then got to chat to some amazing guests and this week is no exception. So for the last episode of the series, I am bringing you a real treat. My guest today is an award-winning playwright and filmmaker, as well as a four-time recipient of the Porter Fling Literary Award. As if that wasn't enough, he is also a fellow podcast host who's been hosting the podcast Gather by the Ghost Light since 2020. He is the brilliant Jonathan Cook. Jonathan, thank you so much for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> Um, so, as with all my guests, I simply start with, how did you get started on what, quite frankly, is an amazing career? Oh, man. Uh, well, uh, as far as theater goes, I started off acting in in high school, and then uh, I continued that into college, and just, I guess, seeing so many stage play scripts over the years, it it kind of made me interested in and writing my own plays and mm. in college I got that opportunity because I did something called a, a summer stock where uh, where you could you you had an option you could either find different short plays and published books and and just kind of find one you want to direct or you could write your own and, and so I was mm. like you know what I think I've seen enough scripts that I can give this <laughs> a shot and that's kind of where it all started and I've written uh, quite a few plays since then that have been produced uh, in quite a few places. Because then obviously as well, you started the podcast Gathered by the Ghost Light. How did that come about? I guess as far as the podcast goes, uh, around 2020, when the pandemic started, uh, I had already recorded a few of my own plays. And so when the pandemic started and theaters weren't really open, I was like, man, what could I do with these recorded audio plays? And I was like, you know what? I think I'll just put out a podcast of, of these plays I recorded. Um, and I had the idea that I also wanted to produce other playwrights works on the podcast, mm. but, oh man, it's so scary. Uh, cause, cause, uh, it's not the same as directing for theater. Cause once you direct a stage play, you know, once that done, it's over, but in podcast land, when you put an audio play out there, uh, it, it's just kind of out there and yeah. I always, I always, I'm always scared that, you know, what if the, what if the writer doesn't like it? And, and so I was like, you know, let me just do a test run with a few of my own plays first and see how they turn out. And. I like the ways those went and I've, you know, made connections over the years. So the first, the first couple of playwrights that I produced on the podcast were people that I had met at different play festivals that mm -hmm. we both had plays happening. Um, and then from there, I just started reaching out to people through the new play exchange where we all read each other's works. Mm -hmm. And when I find a good one that I felt kind of fit the audio play format, um, I, I, you know, I'd reach out and, uh, and see if they'd let me produce it on the podcast. So obviously you've worked in both playwriting and filmmaking and literature and podcast. Is it like a firm favorite for you having worked in kind of all different sectors or do you just like everything kind of the same? Uh, well, as far as the filmmaking goes, we have a pretty great filmmaking community here in Augusta, Georgia. Mm -hmm. um, it's grown tremendously over the years. I actually went to school for uh, a TV cinema uh, mm. kind of degree. It wasn't a film school. So it was basically, I was getting a communications degree and my focus was TV and cinema, um, which at that school, it wasn't a lot of, it wasn't a ton of hands-on stuff. I got a little bit here and there, but it was a lot of a lot of book stuff. 
Yeah. Um, and then after I graduated, that's when I was like, you know what, let me just, I kind of taught myself, you know, filmmaking, yeah. you know, watching YouTube, connecting with others. And just from there, I started making little short films and, and you probably saw online just this, yesterday, I was mm. at a film festival in North Carolina where they were showing my latest film and they did a whole Q and A and everything. It was very, very professional. It was a great experience. It was a lot of fun. Just back to your question of what do I like more? I would say I just like writing in general, <laughs> whether it be... <laughs> Whether it be a play or a screenplay, um, I, I mean, I've definitely been doing theater a lot longer. Yeah. Very rewarding to see, you know, a play that you wrote get produced because, you mm. know, writing plays, it's a lot easier to get produced than writing a screenplay <laughs> because yeah. there's just a, a lot of a lot of involvement with, you know, getting a, a, a short script, a film script made. So. Mm. Um, so taking into account, obviously, all the wonderful and amazing things you've done do you have a standout moment um I man it feels like every new current thing I do is always it always tends to be mm. <laughs> my favorite thing at the moment um kind of like with my latest short film the one that's currently going in film festivals it feels yeah. like this is this is the moment where where I, I like the most but you know I can think back to other situations uh I did write uh, a short play called lobster man a few years back mm -hmm. and it was it was actually produced in new york as part of the samuel french off off broadway festival oh, wow. and that was that was quite an experience that was probably my favorite festival that i've ever been a been a part of so i guess a standout moment that would be because that was really early that was one of the i think that was probably the second play i ever wrote and for it to already get accepted to such a popular festival with so much credibility behind it with samuel french i was just yeah. like man it must be must be be doing something right here and that <laughs> I guess I could call that the standout moment when that happened because that really kind of pushed me and got me motivated to start writing more plays and sending them out there hmm. okay so before we move on to the play itself obviously you have bits and pieces here there and everywhere but for anyone listening do you want to tell them tell my listeners where they can find you and your fabulous podcast of course okay well my sort of my playwright about me as far as my playwriting sort of the website about me as far as my playwriting and filmmaking goes you can just find that at jonathanrcook.com mm -hmm. and that's j-u-n-a-t-h-a-n-r-c-o-o-k um, and then the podcast you can go to gatherbythegostlight.com or just get on any podcast player mm -hmm. and just search for gather by the ghost light like spotify or itunes or mm -hmm. wherever people get their podcast and you can find it there. Fabulous. Now from a Jonathan, we move on to a John. John Bursa is a playwright from Cleveland, USA, but is also no stranger to the world of acting and graphic art. He is the co-runner of Cleveland's public theatre writer's workshop called The Dark Room. It helps new and seasoned playwrights test drive new work, which I think is an amazing cause to work for and is kind of what theatrical shenanigans is about. He is also the author of over 80 short plays that have been produced throughout the US, Canada, the UK and most recently Australia and we're going to hear one of those plays very shortly. Today's play is entitled A Conversation About Mom. It's set in a cemetery and depicts Walter and his son Jeremy attempting to mend fences between them as well as between Walter and his long lost wife. All before it's too late. Theatrical Shenanigans presents... A Conversation About Mum by John Bursa
Hello, Dad. Hello, Jeremy. How did you know it was me? Who else would it be? I could have been someone else, visiting another grave. I saw you coming. Pretty good eyesight for someone who won't even turn around to look at me. I know what you look like. Mind if I sit? I can't stop you. Cold morning, isn't it? Not to me. You always liked the cold. I don't like the cold, Dad. I never did. I just tolerate it a lot better than you. I tolerate a lot of things I don't like. I suppose you do. How's your mother? Why don't you ask her? Oh, that's right. You can't ask someone you walked out on, can you? Is this how it's going to go? How what's going to go? I'm just trying to have a conversation. Is that what we're having? I'm trying. Little late in the game to be making an effort, don't you think? Maybe I should go. Is that a new thought, or were you quoting yourself? It's hard to tell. Every time. Every time I see you, I think it'll be different. I hope it will be. It never is. What is it that makes me fool myself into thinking there's a chance, even when I know there isn't? Isn't that the definition of insanity? Shut up! Let me do this! I think to myself, maybe this time. He'll show me some kindness. Maybe he won't hate me as much. Maybe he'll see I'm trying to do the right thing, that I've changed, that I'm sorry, that I just want forgiveness. Or if I can't get that, maybe I just want a little goddamn human compassion from my son. See, that's your problem. It always ends up being about what you want. When that's what I get. Sarcasm. It, it, it would just kill you to show me some decency, wouldn't it? No, that wouldn't kill me. I wouldn't give you the satisfaction. You think I take satisfaction in this? This estrangement? She's my wife. You're my son. Was. Get your tenses right. I don't recall getting any divorce papers in the mail. I don't think there's much you do recall from those days, is there? I recall more than you know, smartass. How about that part where Mom pleaded with you to come back, huh? Does that ring any bells? I remember that with a particular clarity. I don't know why I punish myself like this. Dad, wait. I'm... I'm sorry. I don't know why I say some of the things I do. I know why. You beat yourself up enough over this. I guess you don't need to hear it from me, too. Maybe I deserve it. You definitely do. But it wouldn't kill me to show you a little decency, right? Come on. Sit back down. Do you ever talk to her? No. Never? You're the only one I've ever seen here. I wish she would come. Just once. I don't think she'd have anything to say to you. Not anymore. That's all right. I'd do the talking. Wow, you have changed. I told you. I'm trying to do the right thing. No, I mean you doing the talking. You never talked. Mom talked. A lot. You? You just sulked. I never sulked. Jesus, Dad, you were the king of sulking. I never saw anyone who looked so uncomfortable being in his own skin as you. Or was it just in your own house? I thought you were going to be nice. I'm being honest, Dad. That's more important. Look. I know I was quiet. Quiet? I wanted to hold a mirror up to your mouth at breakfast every morning so I could see if you were still breathing. I'm surprised Mom didn't get you a coffin for your birthday. I wasn't that bad. 
Dad, come on. Okay, fine. But I had my reasons. Oh yeah? And what were they? And we're back at breakfast. I... I couldn't. You couldn't what? I, I couldn't talk to her. I, I didn't know what to say. I, I thought I bored her. You thought you bored her? That's not a reason, Dad. That's... What does that even mean? Didn't know what to say. How can you not know what to say? She's your wife. Was. Remember? What? Get your tenses right. Isn't that what you told me? Shut up, Dad. I'm serious. She is your wife. You're connected to her. At least you're supposed to be. That's what marriage is. That's what love is. It's a connection. I haven't felt connected to your mother for a long time. Maybe I wasn't long before I left. You're just trying to justify your walking out on her, on us, by saying you weren't connected? Maybe your mother and I never were. That's bullshit. You, you don't know everything. You weren't always around. I was around long enough to see you did care. I was most likely a result of it. Unless you were just fucking her. Don't talk that way. You said you two didn't love each other, so what does it matter? I never said that. Maybe we never were. What the hell does that mean? She loved you, and no matter what bullshit excuse you're trying to parcel out here, I know you loved her. I saw it. Not often, but I did. Loving someone doesn't mean that you're right for them. I wasn't right for her. I see. You weren't good enough for her. No, I wasn't. So you left for her sake. Left her and me for our own good, is that right? She needed someone better. Better than me. You fucking coward. Jeremy, try to understand. you. You never said anything like this before. You never brought it up. Like you assumed we all knew why you left. Mom never talked about it. I was too young to know what was really going on when you bailed. I just later assumed it was another woman. I could understand that. But it wasn't. You left her for your own narcissistic insecurity. Jesus, you're a bigger bastard than I thought you were. You're angry at me because I didn't have an affair? I'd be pissed at you if you did. But taking up with someone else at least makes more sense than your mother needs someone better than dreary old me. God, you're an idiot. I know. You never told me any of this before. I never told myself any of this before. You're right. I was a coward. So why tell me now? Why tell Mom now? I think I'm running out of time. Yours or hers? That is the question. You remember Alphonse? Alphonse? Captain Alphonse? Strange you should mention him. I hadn't thought of him in years. Then this afternoon, bam! He just popped into my head. Mine too. Funny how that happens, huh? What made you think of him? I don't know. You? It was right before I got here. I was driving, daydreaming, I guess, sitting at a light, and suddenly there he was, standing in the kitchen. He was standing there giving your mother the business. Don't say it that way, Dad. It sounds dirty. You know what I mean. He was talking her ear off, critiquing the food, the color of her dress, making fun of that damn duck border in the kitchen, telling her to run away with him before her youth was wasted. You beat him to the punch. You want to hear this or what? Sorry. Then I show up, and of course, he stops babbling, stops flirting with her as if I didn't know better. He winks at her and says, like he always does, 
Maybe next the time, Karina. Oh, that stupid Italian accent. He sounded like Super Mario Brothers. It was the Godfather. And uh, I think uh, I spoke pretty good. Of course you would. Your performance was Oscar-worthy. Grazie. Oscar Meyer, but still. Still made you laugh. Every time. But it made Mom laugh, too. I remember her laugh. Like... Like champagne. It tickled. Her laughing tickled you. Made you want to join the party. Listening to her laugh was like listening to the sound of life. It made you more alive. I suppose it did. You made her laugh like no one else. You made her more alive than anyone else. With a stupid accent. Stupid, yes, but who cares? You talked with her then. And she loved you for it. It was just dumb playing around. Yeah, I made her laugh, but you don't have a real conversation with a funny voice and a stupid accent. Sooner or later, you have to stop. Captain Alphonse has to come in for a landing, and, and when I did, I ran out of steam. I turned into me, and I didn't have all that much to say. But now you do. Yes, now I do. You said before you think you're running out of time. I take it that means you're getting worse. They tell me I don't have much time, which is why I wanted to speak to your mother before I go. I wish I could help you. You already have. I helped you by calling you a coward, an idiot, and a bastard. You told me what I already knew. I needed to hear it from somebody else. Guess. But I'm not really somebody else, am I, Dad? You're my son. I'm not. Not really. Not anymore. You'll always be my boy. I'm a hallucination from a tumor in your temporal lobe. I'm not your boy. Unless you're planning on adopting. Why is it I only see you here? You're asking your tumor? I'm just a memory of a son you never watched grow up. I'm hardly a reliable source of information. I suppose it doesn't matter. Yeah, I just thought I could see her the way I see you. Dad, it's time you stopped looking for me to talk to. Stop rehearsing this. Go see her before it's too late to reconcile. Before the only way for her to see you is the same way you see me. In her memories. You're a smart kid, Jeremy. Was. Get your tenses right. Right. Get my tenses right. I love you, Dad. Do you believe me? Of course, I do. I wouldn't tell myself that otherwise. Please tell me the captain won't put an appearance. I don't think Mom is ready for two babbling idiots. I make no promises. <laughs> I know I'm just a memory caused by a growth in your brain, and not really qualified to comment on this, but your Italian accent sucks. And since I'm only saying what you, deep down, are really thinking, you know I'm right. I know. You are definitely right. Or I'm definitely right. Somebody is definitely right. Still made you laugh, though. Every time. Go on. Go see Mom. I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah. I'm sure you will.
A truly heart-wrenching and beautiful moment shared between father and son there. That was Tyler Costigan as Jeremy and Joe Swenson as Walter in A Conversation About Mum by John Bursa. Jonathan, straight out the gate, first impressions? First impressions, let's see. Well, I've always been a big fan of The Twilight Zone. Growing up, that's what mm -hmm. my mom introduced me to that. Obviously, I wasn't alive when the original episodes were airing, um, but that's what my mom introduced me to growing up. And, and John Buster's play kind of reminds me of a story that could have been in that old series because uh, mm -hmm. he, you know, he introduces you know you have the the father talking to the son and it's they're obviously been estranged mm. but then halfway through there's this sort of twist that john gives us um and it, it's it was really well done and i like the way john put it all together um kind of introducing what seems like a normal story and then throwing something out of the ordinary in there with this yeah. tumor in his head and his son was just a hallucination it was just uh, very very clever caught me off guard a little bit um, full transparency, John did send me 20 bucks to say good things about his play. <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but yeah, no, it was a it was a great, great little uh, story he wrote. I mean, what fascinates me about it is, as with a lot of John's work, is he keeps you guessing kind of right up until almost the last moment. Because up until, as you say, you realize that uh, Jeremy is in fact a result of a tumor. Um, this could just as easily be a conversation between a father and son as two living people um and then you discover what's actually happening as it's unwrapped before you and you're left with that kind of revelation moment which for me was like i suppose perfectly timed yeah and like you said it does play like it's two real people talking in in real time and and so when they first encounter each other you know the son is is mad at the father for what appears to be obvious reasons and uh, in, and as the story unfolds, I know that the father makes this comment of, uh, you know, why do I keep doing this to myself? Mm -hmm. You know, the conversation always goes the same way. And then by the time you get to the end, you know, when you reflect back on what he says, you know, it makes you wonder, you know, how many times did he see his son like this? How did how did all the previous conversations go? Did they mm -hmm. always part angry? Because th this conversation was definitely, it seems like a turning point for the father, because mm -hmm. this was this seems like the one that was different uh compared to all the previous ones so so yeah I, I am curious to you know how many times has he had this same conversation with his son and and how did those other conversations go and how did they end uh whereas the snapshot we got in this play uh, the ending is the father it, ins it insinuates that the father is going to try to reconnect with his wife which mm. the previous conversations doesn't seem that way no, I mean, there are there are moments, obviously, of sadness because of um, the situation that they found themselves in and the state their relationship is in. But you also, as you say, you can't help but feel sorry for Walter when Jeremy is telling him off for what he hasn't done and the excuses he's making. And then it's not until the end when the revelation is made that Jeremy is a figment of Walter's own illness, that that's just Walter's own guilt almost attacking him. Right, right. So it's it's basically a conversation he's had with himself all these mm. times before. Um, and he's finally, finally, after who knows how many conversations he's had, he's finally convinced himself, you know what, let me let me try to reconnect 
with my wife. And yeah, it's uh, and John is, you know, I've produced two of John's works on my own podcast and mm-hmm. which they've both been comedies. John is great. He's a great comedy writer. And even with this deep drama, he I like how he found these little comedic moments uh, to throw in, you know, the the Italian accent part with Alphonse. Yeah. That. that was a lot of great great little moments there for him there's a wonderful versatility to it because as you say it would be very easy to just make it all you know sad 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 and just leave it at that but as you say he does lift it with the mo- moments of comedy yeah he gives it a, a lot of levels throughout uh yeah because like you said it would uh, while the story is meaningful it it could get boring if it was just sad 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 with none, none yeah. of those of those lifting moments in there the different levels that he introduced but at the same time i think that the play will definitely resonate with an audience because while they may not have experienced this exact circumstances the feelings associated with loss and guilt and regret are ones we've all had at some point or another so while it's a very unique set of circumstances it's a very relatable situation oh yeah definitely but yeah yeah i think john really kind of Hit it, hit it right on the spot with this, uh, with, with pulling out the emotion, especially uh, at the end. <laughs> you know, when when that gut punch comes in that you find out he does have a tumor mm. and this is all just a hallucination and he's basically just talking to himself, trying to convince himself, remembering all this stuff that happened previously um, and then, you know, it all surfacing back in his brain. Yeah, it's a it, it, great, great work on John's part. All in all, what are your thoughts on the piece as a whole? Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm a fan of John's work, and this is no exception. I, you know, I really liked the way it it flowed. Um, I really liked the moments that he hit. You know, the different levels along the way, um, and in just in just this brief conversation, you get a true sense of what the relationship was like. You know, mm-hmm. in this, family. Um, you know, they had their previous year moments where the son definitely you know he he notes that yeah you know I saw that you did love mom and something changed over the years where you just got quiet and silent um and just touching on these all these different moments it really it glued it all together and um it was he made it easy to kind of see the history of this family and I really like that a lot yeah well it's even harder to say because it is our last episode but we have reached the end of the show Jonathan thank you so much for being here to share the last episode with me hey well thanks for having me and thanks for uh for everything you do so season one of theatrical shenanigans has come to an end I hope you've enjoyed the plays and chats we've had over the last 10 episodes and we'll be able to join us again in summer 2023 for season two In the meantime, I've been Rachel Feeney-Williams, this has been Theatrical Shenanigans, bringing down the curtain and saying a huge thank you to all of the writers, performers and guests who took part in season one. And of course, I hope you can join us next time. Theatrical Shenanigans was an RFW Scripts production, with music written and produced by Chris Cody. 